Broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout, it's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stolen Droids Podcast. I'm Smitty. I'm Zoner. I'm in massive amounts of pain. Yes, you How are. How is everyone? We're good. Excellent. I'm jet lagged. Yes, you are. And I'm, I, I was up for 21 hours straight yesterday, so I'm a, I'm a little bit tired. That is insane. A little bit cranky, but it's all good. <laughs> you look cranky. When am I not, right? <laughs> I just figured that's just kind of the normal state of the Zoner. He's just that, perpetually cranky. It's, it's what happens when you have six kids and travel a lot for work. It, indeed. I would actually think that you'd be less cranky by traveling away from your kids. No, but the travel makes you tired. I mean, don't get me wrong. You have nice kids. You have a nice family. I have great a, kids. That's a lot of kids. It is. I, I'm outnumbered. And by I, far. I, my my <laughs> wife and I, we, we're outnumbered two to one. It's, it's not a good thing. Uh, as for my uh, comment on being in massive amounts of pain, uh, listeners, uh, you don't know this, but a couple days ago, I actually had foot surgery. Um, so I'm hanging out here recording this on a tablet upstairs, not in my office, with my foot propped up on a kitchen chair to keep it from swelling and feeling like a, a, a grape that's about to pop. <laughs> that nice just visual. Is a, that's a horrible visual. Anyone who's had foot surgery knows exactly what I'm talking about, though, because as soon as the foot goes down, like you're going to put pressure on it, all your blood goes down into it, and it feels like a water balloon that just suddenly gets squeezed a little bit. And then as soon as you put your foot back up, all the blood rushes away, and suddenly there's like a vacuum feeling inside your foot, too. It, it's just lose-lose either way. It's horrible. Wow. that I, Better you than me, I guess? I guess so. How's that Definitely. for a dick comment? Yeah, really. <laughs> um, hey, uh, shout out to our friends over at trekradio.net, kryptonradio.com, Open Book Audio, which aren't really our sponsors, but they're still our friends. Stitcher.com, Radio KSCR, and Geek Factor Radio. It should be noted, actually, that my painkillers have just worn off, so I'm a little bit loopy and not in the happy drug kind of way. You're in a loopy pain sort of way, huh? Incredibly, yes. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, but Schmitty, welcome. Thank You're, you. It, it, we haven't seen or heard from you for, for many moons. <laughs> it's good to be back. Those moons uh, were too many. In interim. Indeed, indeed. Now, uh, Schmitty is sounding a little bit different than normal. That isn't because he's coughed up his throat. Um, it's uh, because he's missing his mic. Uh, yeah. Someone else still has his mic, um, and he has, not, he has not gotten it yet. So. It's more in the non-digital ether. Yeah. Uh, we do have feedback, out. actually. Oh, cool. Well, let me see if I, can, uh, if I can pull this up for us. I, we'll just wait patiently, I suppose. <laughs> well, it was supposed to be plain, but I just realized that uh, because of the way Google Hangouts works, I can't play it for you while you're on the call. Okay. Yeah, I, I thought that I could hear something in the background. I'm like, my first thought was who's watching TV while we're recording, but... <laughs> You go ahead and watch your show. <laughs> don't, don't let us interrupt your stories. What's really great is the fact that you just wormholed there so terribly. Uh, you may have been may as well have been speaking something like Native American. Cause... But, see, I record locally, so nobody will even know that I wormholed. Uh, maybe. maybe Except not. that you just said something. Um, so, okay, so vo Russ left us a voicemail. Um Long story short, he was uh, he had a 90-minute drive to work, so he went ahead and caught up on a couple of our episodes. And he points out that in Australia, they have violent video games, and they don't have the shooting problems that we have here. And said that violent video games actually exist in other countries, too, and so it should be relatively easy to disprove the idea of violent video games causing these mass shootings of course here in the u.s we've been having a lot of those you don't need us to tell you that and i've got a confession to make for you guys here with all the discussions we ever have about mass shootings and whatnot and gun control and lobbying i always forget that other countries are just as likely to have violent video games there's always talk about 
Um, do video games cause violence? Do access to does access to guns cause violence? And we're always quick to say, well, you know, Australia is a different gun culture. But I completely forgot they're not a different video game culture. I thought they were. I thought they actually had banned a lot of the violent video games. They not have, a lot. Only like a couple. Only a couple. And they simply okay. take longer to get them onto their shores. Okay. But even if it wasn't Australia, there are other ones. My, my lovely wife actually just came and uh, gave me drugs. She's my dealer right now. So give it a few minutes and I'll be fun again. <laughs> we're we're like here promoting uh prescription painkiller usage on stolen droids. Only responsibly. Only with a prescription. <laughs> Fun fact, kids, opioid overdose is the number one leading cause of death in uh, Utah. <laughs> Why is that not surprising to me? Yeah, really. No, but so they're always going on and on about how video games are the root of all this violence. I think, like Ruff says, this should be relatively easy to disprove, right? There are other countries. Uh, Japan has some insanely graphic video games. Japan Japan has some weird stuff, though, man. The tentacles and, I mean, y'all do things different over there. Not all of Japan has tentacles, just... A good portion of it. <laughs> yeah, that's racist, Lonner. We're not all like that. <laughs> Just some of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you ever think that maybe like there's small Japanese children who accidentally watch a hentai and go, wait a minute, I'm not like that down there. <laughs> <laughs> I've never thought about that. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Maybe, I don't know, maybe the drugs kicked in a little bit faster than expected. Um, But, I don't know, what are are your guys' thoughts? I know both of you guys game. Maybe not as much as we used to, maybe not as much as you want to. We have jobs, we have kids, our lives are busy. So we're not exactly the most unbiased panel to get the decision on, does video game violence create real-life violence? But do you think we can use other countries as examples to point to and say, look, they have just as many violent video games, just as many people play video games there. It's not a valid factor. Well, so I, th- I think I think the missing puzzle piece is that a lot of people look for one thing to blame. Um, you know, it's, it's the video games. No, it's, it's the guns. No, it's, uh, you know improper uh, analysis of uh, mental health or whatever. Uh, I think it's a combination of all of them, not to get too deep into the conversation, but um, when we're looking at just one of the factors, you really don't have a lot to go on when it could be five or six different things that that accumulate up to um, causing someone to go shoot some people, you know? It's It's not ever just one thing. Um, so it's really hard for me to put that blame on, say, video games, when personally video games have never made me more aggressive or less aggressive. If anything, they've made me think more critically about things, about life. So, Which is yeah. funny because, not to cut Zoner off there because I haven't given him a chance, but when we compare our playing style, Schmitty, you and I have gamed against each other for many, many years and you really are the Grand Theft Auto, blow everything up, shoot up a drug den, and then crash a jet into a school bus to see if you can get extra points than I am. Well, when you put it that way. <laughs> you know, I, I've... I would never be inclined to do that in real life. Well, hijacking a jet into a school bus is hard, man. I mean, that takes effort. I, I've seen things from both sides. I game. I one of my favorite series of all time is Hitman. I, I think that's a great game. That's violent. You're I mean the name is Hitman. You're killing people. For but, money. For money. But I do enjoy um the stealth aspect of it more than the actual killing aspect of it. That's what I that's what I enjoy doing. Is sneaking up on somebody, 
and killing them as opposed to just hitting them in the face with a hammer. Um, but that being said, I've got a younger brother, and I remember when we were kids, he'd sit down and he'd play Mortal Kombat, and before you know it, he's playing Mortal Kombat on me, and I'm having to like destroy him because if I don't, I'm going to end up bloody on the on the ground with my spine ripped out my mouth. Um, and so I think it affects. We know every- your brother; he does not have strong enough hands. <laughs> I think that it I think that it affects everybody differently and I think more so with younger kids but I think Schmidt is very much onto something where it's not just one thing it's a combination of things you look at the general lack of respect that we have in our culture you look at I mean the violence we have in our culture you look at I mean just everything that that's there and it all combines into one thing. And, and that unfortunately comes out in, usually with tragic endings. True. True. I, I do like that too. I mean, roughly appreciate your insight there. And I feel kind of dumb and ignorant thinking about, well, you know, it's, 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 it's guns or nothing. I completely forgotten that other countries have violent video games too. So I really do appreciate his insight there. And, and Zonar, I'm inclined to agree with you that Schmitty's right. It is multiple factors. It isn't one, if you will pardon the phrase, one smoking gun. I think that's convenient for people in charge to try and, you know, put the millstone around the neck of one particular culprit just because it makes them look good in the news. Yeah, and, and that's that's really what it is. They're they're trying. They've got to put the blame somewhere. Nobody wants to say we need to look at ourselves because we're a bunch of a holes as a species, right? And we need to fix that. Nobody wants to hear that, and so nobody's going to say that. I'll say it. We need to come correct, but it's not happening. Yeah. We uh, we are very quick to say, hey, something's wrong here. We're not very fast to say what we should do about it or sticking with it, are we? We're not. No. That segues actually quite nicely into our first set of headlines, unfortunately. Oh, fun. Yeah. Um, so, Facebook. Um, I kid you not. So, Zoner was traveling this week, and you did not have much of a chance to uh, to follow the news. I, I don't know hardly anything that's going on, but uh, I in the little snippets of news that I saw, there was a whole lot of talk about Uber killing people, and there was a whole lot of Facebook being Facebook. Which I'd like to say we actually predicted Uber killing people. I think we got the details wrong. We thought they were just going to go on a killing spree, uh, but it's nice to know our predictions are holding. You know, we, we do have an uncanny ability to call things. Yeah. Um, so I, I had surgery, like I mentioned earlier, and my week was kind of shot. Uh, Schmitty, I don't know what your week was like uh, in terms of ki- keeping up on the news. We don't, yeah, we won't go into that. <laughs> <laughs> but so going back through the news, though, for the past week, there really were only two major headlines. And it's what we're going to talk about. First off is Facebook. Uh, the Cambridge Analytica fallout is hitting critical mass it is insane um so we need to recap real fast here we talked about it last episode and i want to say we touched on it the episode before that as well a uh, researcher quote-unquote researcher built an app and paid uh people to download it log in and link their profiles to it Two hundred and seventy thousand people did so it was a little app that would compare their personalities and say stupid things like, hey, you're crunchy peanut butter, or you're the purple lightsaber, or you're Hermione, and hey, no one cares. And it created these really in-depth psychological profiles of these people. The problem was, is that it then went out and hit up all their friends of friends of friends and ended up data mining 50 million people total on Facebook. Now, Facebook calls it a breach, because they didn't authorize the app to access the other accounts. And they're not wrong, technically. It was definitely a breach of trust. And I think, didn't Zuck come out and say that it was a breach of trust? Isn't that what they're calling it, is a breach of trust? And everyone else is calling it a leak. And the, the terminology is 
moot. It's a giant screw up, is what it is. Oh yeah, they yes, yes. Well, it had some dire impacts for Facebook. Their stock was plummeting all week. At one point, I believe Zuckerberg himself lost an estimated $10 billion in personal valuation. That's just from the stock he personally owns. Now, he did manage to sell off a whole bunch of his own personal shares ahead of time, so he saved tens of millions of dollars. Um, Good job there, Zuck. And I heard about that. Are we going to see insider trading come about because of this? I don't think so, because it was already public knowledge. Okay. I I, I wasn't sure the timeline on that. I think that was just him reading the market very clearly, going, this is not going to go well. Yeah, it's it's not going to end. Not going to end pleasantly. Here's the thing, and I, I want us to go into more detail than simply a, yeah, we called it, because guess what? We called it. <laughs> but Facebook has always had these privacy issues. Yeah, from day one. <laughs> I mean, it's it's how the platform's built. It's Well, it's built for you to give your life over to them and you sign a disclosure or a waiver or whatever you want to call it, a EULA, basically saying they can do with your life what they feel appropriate. Well, we do that a lot, though, in modern t- in modern day and age on, on the Internet. Way we do that a lot. Much. But way the difference much. is, it's like we do that with Google. Right? I mean, we sign away a little disclaimer with Google saying, hey, you can have access to all of our information. Yep. Um, We we have you on our phone, on our email, on our calendar, on our contacts, on everything, on our transactions. You know, we use you for a wallet. We use you for everything. And that's fine because that's, A, our choice, but also Google makes all that information very hard to get to. They've taken steps over the past few years to make it easier for, you know, Schmitty to find out what information does Google have on Schmitty. You know, there's there's now a page for it. That didn't exist for a long time. Um, but there is now. You can go in and see what do they have on me. I can download it all. I can delete it all. But it's that much harder for, like, a third party to access it. You know, I couldn't write an app to find all that same information from Schmitty, even if it was an authentic app that Google personally authorized, because Google jealously hoards that information. Right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Facebook, on the other hand, seems to have been like Google in the way that they want all this information, but then they turn around and don't give two craps about who else can access it. Oh, yeah. Totally. You want to sell ads? Hey, guess what? We got all this information. We can see exactly what Zoner looked at. You know, you, you want to you want to boost a post so it increases your likes. Five dollars will get you every time Zoner has gone to this particular website after visiting this other website. Well, and it's it's crazy too because even if I am not using Facebook, unfortunately, I do use Facebook because it's the only way I can keep in touch with certain family members. But even if I'm not signed into Facebook or or have it on my phone or whatever, they still can track that because they're affiliated with all these websites that I may go to. Right. And Um, so they've got that tracking information and it's, it's, it's brilliant. Really? It's evil. Well, it's even worse. It's even worse because, so let's say I make a Facebook app. Okay, which, by the way, people, I have in the past. Um, and this app is specifically designed to get all of Schmitty's information. A, That's what do- that app is. <laughs> yeah. That's why I keep sending you an, an invite, man. Why don't you click my invites? Don't you trust me? Yeah, totally. Yeah. With a name like Zook, how could it go wrong? Um, it's the Nigerian prince again. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, wrong shade of brown. But so, let's say that I... Write an app just to get whoever's information clicks on this link. And Schmitty has left his profile wide open. So not only have I gotten all of his information, 
it has then linked off onto all of his friends. And because Facebook was built on the idea of sharing friends of friends of friends of networking people, it spreads like wildfire. And that's exactly what's happened here. Yeah. Now, why should we care? Actually, no, I, I want to hear, Zoner Schmitty, why should we care? Well, for one, I think I think um, Facebook over the years has created a very false sense of security. Uh, as a social network, as a popular social network, people have, well, okay, I think I'm... <laughs> I'm mending my analysis. So most people blindly go on thinking, assuming that because it's a friendly place, all my friends are on here, they trust it. They blindly go in thinking that it's a secure place. And the default settings, uh, the default security settings are not secure. Yeah, they give you posts to say, yeah, go into here to change your security settings to do this and this, but people don't look at those they don't they, they just ignore that um and so it just inherently uh, by by i don't know i i don't know if i'm explaining myself very well but because it's a place where all your family and friends are you immediately just think it's a safe place and you don't even think about security and it ends up biting you in the end i i, I see my friend doing this survey so i'm gonna do it i think it's fine and before you know it, your data is being sold off to third party. So, uh, yeah, it, it gives you a false sense of security. Yeah. Um, there's that. There's that group think that comes into play, where if everybody else is doing it, then I need to be doing it as well. And I see those little survey results. You know, what Lord of the Rings character would you be if you were in Lord of the Rings? But you're not, so this is stupid. Um, <laughs> but I see those things, and I'll click on them on occasion to just look. And if it pops up and says you need to log in with Facebook, nope, I'm out. I I I'll nope out of that so fast because they don't need my. I, I'm not giving my info. I'm not so, doing it. So let me play devil's advocate here. Let me ask the panel, what's the difference between this and say just really. Because in this case, the 50 million users, um, that information was given over to the Trump campaign, right? This isn't a conspiracy. This isn't an investigation. It has been confirmed. It's been confirmed by the people who bought it for the Trump campaign. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, they're not hiding it at all. But it was given over to the Trump campaign, and they built an entire campaign over almost carpet bombing these profiles with specifically targeted ads in order to get them to vote a certain way. So here's the devil advocate part of it. What's the difference between this and, say, just getting mailers? What's the big deal? What if I just mailed all of New York City, which is a lot of people, it's not 50 million, but bear with me. Let's say it was 50 million. What's the difference between that and mailing a targeted flyer to people in the mail? The difference is, I think, and I could be wrong, but the difference is that when I get a mailer, I, whether or not I see my friends and family get that mailer, I can do with that mailer what I want. I might throw it away. I might make a paper airplane out of it. I might heed, you know, whatever it's advertising. But I don't see what my friends and family are doing with that mailer. When I go on a Facebook and I see my mom replying to this mailer saying, hey, I really like this, I'm going to pay more attention to that because that's my mom. I trust her. So it's, it it brings that that like like uh, Honor said groupthink model into it where hey all these people that I trust are doing this thing I'm gonna hop on board you know or or I'm gonna give it more consideration with a mailer you just throw it away or do whatever you don't see what other people are going to do with it so yeah going I get into the hands of a social network that's that's more powerful <laughs> yeah I think also. There is a certain level of trust that's placed. Nobody trusts these people that send out mailers. But people trust people on the Internet for some weird reason. And I can't figure that one out yet. Well, my Nana shared it. My Nana wouldn't share something from someone she didn't trust. And if Nana trusts someone. Exactly. Exactly. 
But uh, where does that start? That would be interesting to see how that that all starts. But anyways, so I think though that there's that trust, and this is this seems worse because there was a perceived violation of that trust. You know, Zuckerberg said it was a breach of trust. Yeah, it was. People trusted you with this information. People, I mean, a lot of people know this is how Facebook operates, but a lot of people don't. I don't trust Facebook with any more information than I have to. So you know what, how they operate. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. exactly. So what's really funny here is, is that a couple of years ago, I remember that Facebook Messenger tried tying access into our phones. Yep. Remember that? We reported on it. Everyone oh, I hated reported. that. Yeah. Um, and despite the fact that we brought it up then, and not just us, but all the tech outlets, all the news outlets brought it up, and there was huge cry, outcry about it and hubbub, not much happened from it. They rolled back that feature, but Messenger still tied in and started scraping data from our SMS, from our phone calls, from who we were talking to and how long we were talking to, and allegedly, according to people, even what the contents of the calls what they were. Mm-hmm. And people kept using it. In fact, uh, in one article here uh, from TechCrunch, Facebook was warned as early as 2011 about some of these privacy issues and how fraught with holes they were. And they didn't care. But the, the really irresponsible thing about all this is I remember getting warned in 2011 about these issues. Yep. It's not like any of this was hidden. So why do we keep using it? And see, that's what I can't figure out. And Schmitty, you've done a good job of breaking off from Facebook uh, a lot better than Zook and I have. But, you know, in this world in which we live, like, it, I honestly sometimes think if it weren't for stolen droids, I probably would have deleted my Facebook account a long time ago. But then I stop and I think, well, this is how I keep in contact with these people in my family. If I don't do that, if I don't use Facebook, I don't have the ability to stay in touch with them as easy. Sure, I could call them up, but it's so much easier to just log into their Facebook page and see what they're up to and, you know, send a few comments their way and chat back and forth for a few minutes. So much simpler. Well, yeah. I, I, I go one step further because, yeah, I do it for stolen droids, and if it weren't for stolen droids, I may have years ago. But I'm also a scoutmaster now, which I've brought up before. And our scout troop has a Facebook group. And uh, you know what? Let's call it what it is. It's advertising. I have to get the parents engaged. I have to get them on my side to get their kids out to scouts. And if the parents aren't engaged, then the scouts don't get engaged and they don't show up and the scout troop dies. So it's a real easy way for me to do that. I take tons of pictures on our campouts and our activities. Hey, look, here's little Johnny lighting his head on fire. Hope oh, that was hilarious. <laughs> here's little Michael jumping from uh, a cliff, you know, and Michael's mom can say, there's my little boy and share it out to all of her friends. Yep. And, that's what it is. I am advertising these activities on a social level to get their families engaged, which is exactly what we've done with the Stolen Droids page. We share out what we're doing there to try and get people engaged with the site. And frankly, if we're being 100% honest, it's what everyone's been doing with their personal page. You've been selling yourself out to your friends to try and show off Hey, look, here's my life. Isn't it great? Here are my kids. Here's this cake I'm about to eat. You know, here's uh, my chillaxing, relaxing evening. Hashtag blessed. (laughs) (laughs) You hipster douche. (laughs) Look at my sushi. Oh, it's delicious. Yeah, because none of us have ever done that. I've done that. (laughs) I have that repeatedly. You know, a lot of times though, I'll take pictures of my food just so I can have them. I don't share them. Yeah. It's like, wow, that that is an impressive plate of food. I'm taking a picture of that. Usually, Way to hold back that information from the world. You know, we'd really like to see what your eating is on. I, I know. know. Inquiring minds want to know. I had some I had some chicken wings a couple weeks ago in Colorado, 
They were amazing. And I kid you not, they were the biggest chicken wings I've ever had in my life. I didn't share them to Instagram. No, no, um, no Reddit sub food porn here. Where's the love? (laughs) Hashtag resist. (laughs) Hashtag independent thinking. Well, so you should just tweet like, hey, I took some pictures of of these uh, boneless chicken wings. No, you can't see them. them. (laughs) (laughs) But then you get people saying, oh, pics or it didn't happen. Oh, it happened, but no pics. So we're not the only ones to discuss getting rid of Facebook, of course. A a very large movement pushed out this week. It went so far as um, someone on Twitter actually challenged Elon Musk. And on the spot, he deleted SpaceX and Tesla's Facebook page. Really? I didn't see that. Someone challenged him, and he responded with, what's Facebook? And from that second, SpaceX and and Tesla no longer existed on Facebook. (laughs) And wow. like even the founder of Instagram, who sold his product to Facebook, said it is time to delete Facebook, everyone. It is time to get rid of it. But here's the thing. Despite all that, Facebook installations didn't drop at all. No, the the users remained steady. I mean, they took a huge stock in their or a huge hit in their stock price. But people are still using it. I did see something they were talking on a local news story in Cleveland this week uh, that the number of users uh, leaving Facebook is is climbing like crazy, but they're all going to Instagram. Which is owned by Facebook. Since they're owned by Facebook, are they really leaving Facebook? Are they accomplishing what they're trying to here? The question is, is have we reached a point in society now where we – need a social network and really all we're lacking is the next big social network or can we now function without a social network at all i don't think people know how Hmm. i i I think that people have forgotten how to interact without the use of the internet or without the use of their smartphones and i i will say it's not that they've just forgotten. We have an entire generation that doesn't know how. Zoner, oh, sorry, Schmidt, you're about to say something there. Well, yeah, I was, I was going to put it this way: um, we've always had social networks since the beginning of time. But I, I think your question was social media as an online digital platform. You're right. You're and right. That, so, I mean, the the answer to the question, "How can we live without a social network?" is we can't. We are our civilization. And we need social networks to survive. Um, and in this day and age where we have online social media now, it is really hard to step back from that um, for, for most people, right? For some of us, it's a lot easier. But um, that being said, you have this paradigm shift where people can't, can't imagine the world without an online presence. Mm-hmm. And so even without Facebook, it's going, it's going to have to migrate somewhere else. And if it's Instagram, another Facebook product, then so be it. That's where it goes. But uh, it's always going to be online from here on out unless some huge catastrophic event cuts out all the power. <laughs> so, well, I mean, the, fun- the funny thing is, though, is that – so, like, Schmitty, since Facebook really took off, you and I used to see each other a lot more often. Mm-hmm. Granted, it helped when we lived in the same county – but, you know, we'd hang out, we'd do barbecues, um, we'd double date with the, our wives, you know, our kids knew each other. But when we'd see each other or chat, I would be showing you things that I'd seen online or you'd be showing me pictures or we'd be talking about things that we had done. Yeah. And since then, it's kind of like, well, we're busy I'm busy, you're busy, your family's busy, my family's busy, and I can see what your family's doing because your wife posts pictures on Facebook. And your family can see what we're doing because I do the same, so does my wife. And do we really need to go and bother driving across a county and spending money on dinner to catch up when we're pretty much caught up already, even though we don't talk? That's a good point. And when we always interact personally, too, on a personal level. You'll send me a link through your text message it's not like uh 
it's not like Facebook is the only way people communicate. But it, that it means having like to do it with everyone <laughs> one-on-one instead of having to do it just throwing it out there to the ether and let everyone see it. Yeah, that's, that's a big difference there. I'm interested to see what, let's be honest, if we're being brutally honest here, this will not be the end of Facebook. People will keep their installations. Um, Either they don't care that this happened, or they don't see the problem with it happening, or, like I so often go back to my old article about Bill Cosby, they know it happened and they care, but whatever. (laughs) Meh. See, I think that that's probably true. Uh, uh, people are enraged about this, but what what are they going to do about it? Nothing's going to change. Facebook, I mean, Facebook took a stock price hit, but th- I mean, they're going to bounce back. Now's a good time to go buy Facebook stock, if you ask me, because Pe- they're down. They're going to come back. There's no question just- about it dumb about what they see online though i mean they're so dumb i made up a bunch of fake uh quotes <laughs> schmidt you remember this i remember that yeah i made up a bunch of fake quotes they were real quotes actually i just misattributed them they were from mein kampf <laughs> and i put like abraham lincoln or gandhi Th- thomas or jefferson thomas jefferson <laughs> yeah i put all these other Albert people <laughs> and People that I thought were smart started spreading them out. This was years ago, okay? And when I confronted them about it, saying, do you know where I actually got that quote? Well, wasn't it from Thomas Jefferson? I said, no, it was from Adolf Hitler. And you know what nearly all of their responses were? Well, you know, he had some good ideas, too. (laughs) Like... No, that wasn't the point. The point was you just fell for bad information. And rather than confront that and say, geez, wow, yeah, I guess I should be more skeptical about where I'm getting quotes or knowledge from, it was, well, you know, I'm sure I still agree with it. (laughs) Uh, He he did have a lot of good ideas up until the point where he killed six million Jews, but... Volkswagen? Volkswagen was a great idea. Volkswagen, wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> oh, crap. You know, that's that's everybody's fallback, though. When you got no defense, well, you know, look at the good. Just look at the good. <laughs> it wasn't all bad. Yeah, there was this really bad stuff, but hey, look at the good. Sometimes you should just look at the bad. Sometimes it's really hard to see the good because there's so much bad. (laughs) Sometimes it's hard to see the good because it's actually kind of like a woman walking her bike across the street at night. (laughs) I don't even know where you're going with that. That was a really unfortunate... We'll blame that one on the narcotics. Um, So, in Arizona... Close to drapes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. An Uber self-driving vehicle struck and killed a pedestrian. Um, a woman was walking her bike across the street and was struck at around 40 miles an hour. There was a safety driver in the Uber vehicle who was looking down at the time. <coughs> Briefly. But looking down and then looked back up after it had struck her. Um, she died from her injuries and it has thrown everything into disarray here. We're not going to talk so much about this particular case because a, we don't have all the details and B it's Uber. So we know they're kind of to blame anyway. (laughs) (laughs) True. But what does this mean, if anything, for the self-driving car movement? Well, so uh, I've got a lot to say about this. <laughs> I figured you would, and that's why I'm really happier. And before we go on, just for clarification, this is the first confirmed kill. Wow, this makes it sound like a Call of Duty game. <laughs> that doesn't make it easier. <laughs> just going to run her down, tango down. So, so the National Highway Safety and Traffic, association whatever that 
anyway, they're they're investigating it. They're really good at investigating things. They, this isn't the first um, uh, autonomous vehicle uh, injury or death by any means. Um, so they're really good at um, investigating these. However, before before their verdict comes out, um, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb. Well, I'm already out really far out on this one. But uh, so far, all alleged autonomous vehicle injuries and deaths have been from human error. Huge, grave human error. Um, and this, I believe, is no exception. Yes, it was in fully driving mode, fully autonomous driving mode at the time. Yes, there was a human driver that was supposed to be watching at the time, and he or she, I believe it was she, wasn't uh, watching. Um, but she had really no reason to believe that there was any anything going wrong, right? Um, so, but that but that's her her problem. She had uh, she, there was a time when she was not paying attention. Uh, the pedestrian was not crossing at a crosswalk, um, which uh, really isn't. I, I guess in Arizona, that's not that's not a crime. I don't really know, but um, not that I'm not that I'm citing on on Uber, but autonomous vehicles only have so much capability, um, and I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that the computers were not fit to look for pedestrians in a place where pedestrians weren't supposed to be. Right, which is um, not necessarily saying that they are faultless, because that's no. kind of a big thing. It's a it's a huge oversight. You, you should always. I mean, and we as drivers are always trained to keep an eye out for pedestrians, whether or not it's a pedestrian place on the freeway. You're supposed to look for objects in the road, whether you know whether it's human beings or tires or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, that's a huge fault. But still, there were two humans who were at fault in this in this arena too. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm citing completely on the computers. You know, I'm not citing completely on the autonomous driving, but every time there's a death or an injury with these, it's because of human, it well, mostly because of human fault. So let, let's let's go on here and, and just point this out. This was, and I this sounds really callous to the woman, you know, it is, it and is, it yeah. and it totally is. But it was bound to happen eventually. At no point when you're introducing vehicles, autonomous or not, and pedestrians. It, you can only go so long before an accident occurs and so long before that accident is a fatal one mm-hmm. that it's just you're running the numbers there that's just kind of how it is this was bound to happen eventually however all that being said it doesn't really surprise me that it's one of uber's vehicles and here's the reason why so like schmitty said there have been other incidents and i believe every single time it has been because of the driver. That's yeah. not to say that every single incident that happens is the driver's fault. Google, and I'm just throwing the numbers here off the top of my head. Um, I had them down earlier. I can't find them now. But I want to say Google's autonomous vehicles average 1,200 miles between driver um, between when the driver has to engage the system. Okay. Now, obviously, you shouldn't do, be doing that, but that's them measuring times they have to take control back from the car because something has gone wrong. So once every 1,200 miles, okay? Mm-hmm. Uber has been struggling to make 13 miles. Not 1,300, one three. Even with all that info they stole from Google? Even with <laughs> 13 miles. They have been having troubles making 13 miles between when the drivers have had to take control back from the computers, which kind of goes back to something Schmitty said there. Maybe Uber has no business making autonomous vehicles when they have computers that cannot handle this. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. Well, and, and I think the biggest difference is that so Google and Waymo, um, Waymo, which is Google's autonomous vehicle, um, their vehicles are built from the ground up to be autonomous, whereas Uber is retrofitting Volvos. I think the VC90s. Yeah. Okay. They're they're retrofitting these Volvos 
to be fully autonomous. Um, where so in that in that sense, there's inherently a lot of issues, right? Retrofitting a, a current technology with new technology, so the sensors are all external, um, and you have to rely on all those sensors working correctly together with the existing internals of that vehicle. When Waymo is built from the ground up, um, I mean, they are building them into existing vehicles, but they completely strip those vehicles out of everything else in order for the sensors and the internal computer to work harmoniously together. Right, um, right. And that's, that's the biggest difference is where they didn't change anything with the Volvo engine, accelerator, anything like that. Um, I'm not saying that was the issue in, in this incident, but it definitely does make it harder to be fully autonomous when you're retrofitting something that wasn't the, built for it originally. The thing is also, though, and a, a huge disclaimer here, I recognize this, I wasn't there, right? I've never been in an autonomous Uber. I wasn't in this particular situation. I didn't know the driver or the lady or any of the situation. In fact, the most uh, information I have about autonomous driving comes from Schmidty's Tesla. We went down to CES in his Model X, right? Mm-hmm. However, looking at the footage that they've posted, at the map of the accident, at everything that's happened, Schmidty, your Tesla would have stopped. Mm-hmm. Your Tesla would have avoided that accident. It, it, it would have at such a slow speed with so much space given because um, I and I can say that with like, uh, we'll say 80 percent certainty. And that's 20- when there's a pedestrian on the sidewalk. Right. You're <laughs> and that's kind of goes back to it. So it's not a question of is this the end of autonomous vehicles? I think it's more a question of is this the end of Uber's dabbling with autonomous vehicles it said that when this happened they shut down all testing operations in arizona in pennsylvania and in san francisco and you know what my immediate thought was weren't they kicked out of san francisco weren't they told (laughs) in no uncertain terms to stop testing in san francisco because the dmv there denied them wasn't that all of california well california opened it back up like three weeks ago oh really okay I'm like, well, maybe California had the right idea there because obviously Uber, like Uber can't even figure out how to run a company that's doing ride sharing most of the time. They can't figure out how to pay their own people or make money. What makes them think that they have any business going in? That's like me going and saying, hey, look, I have a minivan out there and I have this, this tablet that I'm recording a podcast on. I'll bet you I could make an autonomous vehicle. (laughs) <laughs> admit it if i did that would you be at all surprised if tomorrow's evening news you know utah man podcaster accidentally kills someone with his tablet driven minivan you wouldn't be surprised in the slightest because i have no clue what i'm doing and i have no business building an autonomous vehicle and that's what i think uber is yeah that's just kind of how they roll they are I don't know. I joke that we're just idiots with microphones. I think they're idiots with cars. And money. And Evidently money. not a lot, but No, but I, I think you're right though. This might be this might be the nail on the coffin for Uber. I think this is strike three for them. Um, now but, uh, when when you say the nail in the coffin, are you talking like in terms of overall business or are you talking in terms of the self driving car wing of their Overall business, I would say. I mean, we—they've been kind of like the BlackBerry in in the news to us lately, right? They uh, seem like they've always been doing things wrong for the past year, and if if they're not dead within the year, I'd, I'd be surprised. They've been bleeding money left and right. If they're not dead within the year, I think someone needs to look into organized crime connections because that's the <laughs> only way that they can keep solvent. For sure. Yeah, it amazes me that they lose money at the rate that they do, yet people still want to give them money. Uh, When are we going to finally see some kind of national board of transportation saying, if you want to make an autonomous vehicle, it has to adhere to these safety regulations. It has to be this capable. I don't think we're far off. I think as Google gets closer with their self-driving car, obviously 
Uber is not in the picture in terms of self-driving cars anymore. But I think that they could use this as a catalyst for some sort of legislation. See, this is what happens when the government's not involved. We will fix this. And if we had been involved from the beginning, this tragedy never would have happened. I think we're going to see a lot of that. Mm. Uh, But I think you're really going to start to see more of it as Google gets closer to actual release of a car that will drive itself. Well, Google and Tesla. Mm -hmm. I mean, Tesla's auto drive feature is out in the wild right now. You know, it's it's not theoretical, and it's a drive assist. It's not an autonomous drive, technically. But, I mean, it really is just a technicality. Hey, speaking of Tesla, and this is our last headline here, um, a Model X um, has crashed in Mountain View, California, and killed the driver. Uh, you'll probably see headlines about this, and before it goes like crazy, I want to point something out about this. So this is an Engadget article. Obviously, it's not a police report. It's not a uh, National Highway Safety Administration release. But even Engadget points out that the driver hit the median and then was collided with by two other vehicles on the freeway. And so already not a, a normal crash. Right. And then the driver died. Essentially meaning that this car was hit three times at freeway speeds. And people are going, well, you know, the battery pack is probably what failed. No, I think the fact that it was hit multiple times at freeway speeds is what failed. Any vehicle in this situation would not have fared as as well as this one has. Well, you can't say that. There are freak accidents, but I think it's safe to say that... uh, the chances are high if you are in that situation, no matter the vehicle, you're probably dead. Probably gone. Yeah. Probably gone. And see, I I think you're just saying that because, you know, of your protestless stance and, you know, you've got to defend them. I don't, I don't know why you can't just like see it for what it is. (laughs) When a car, (laughs) look, there are stories and you can find them online or Russian dash cams because those guys are crazy of just these incredible freeway accidents where someone manages to walk right out of it and admit it. If that, if you ever see that happening, you're more amazed that they didn't die. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And seeing much. what's left of this Tesla X, this Model X, and hearing the stories of what happened to it, it's kind of like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'd be more amazed if he didn't just immediately die. So, yeah, we're only including this because there's a good chance you'll probably see it in the headlines, and people will say it's another example of why they're not safe. Or, and of course, this is going to sound like us making excuses for them, but really, it doesn't require an excuse. It's like. This could have been a tank and the people would have felt it. Yeah. And, and like I said earlier, this our, our government and our politicians have an uncanny way of not letting any tragedy go to waste. And I fully expect that they're going to milk these for all that they can to get some sort of regulation going. Good job, Uber. You've ruined it for everyone. This is why we can't have nice things. Indeed. Took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> uh, and speaking of why we can't have nice things, uh, we now have some sad news for you. Um, one of the reasons why Schmitty's on this episode is because this is our second to last episode. Uh, penultimate. Our penultimate episode, which I don't think sounds right because that makes it sound like our last one is the ultimate episode. And that seems like a lot of pressure to put on it. That is a lot of pressure. Definitely got to be our ultimate. <laughs> this isn't even my final form, dude. Um, <laughs> Over 9,000. Uh, so due to some changes in the Stolen Droids media, um, some people have uh, left, and uh, other things have changed, uh, especially amongst the three of us, the uh, the three remaining co-founders. Um, we will unfortunately not be continuing the Stolen Droids podcast or the Generic Geek podcast anymore. Our next podcast episode will be our final one, and it will launch April 1st. That is not an April Fool's joke. It just happens to be the anniversary of when the episode started. Yeah, we launched on an April 1st. 
Yeah, we we launched the site and the podcast on an April first. So, um, yeah, we just wanted you to hear it from us, and we'll be making posts to Facebook uh, and our Twitter and our Instagram. Uh, our next podcast we'll record will be our last one. If you want to write in feedback at StolenDroids.com um, or give us a call like Ruff did, 801-917-GEEK. Um, we would appreciate any feedback you might have. We'll try and read it all on the air. I'm not really sure what next week's format's going to be like. Hopefully we have all of our microphones back so we all sound normal again. That'd be nice. That would be. Um, it's not looking likely, but I'll just keep that to myself. Um, but yeah, guys, thank you so much for uh, joining us on this adventure, and we'll uh, we'll talk more about it next week, but we just didn't want it to be a sudden surprise as to why Stolen Droids Podcast wasn't showing up in your podcatcher anymore. It'll probably still be there. They'll just be old episodes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll go on syndication. <laughs> Um, into our favorites. Yes, we will have favorites this week, too. And mine comes from the guys over at Screen Junkies. Um, they decided to do an honest trailer, not for a film or a movie, but for an entire genre of movies. And that genre is Wes Anderson. You know, it's funny. Every time I've seen a Wes Anderson movie, I've always known it's a Wes Anderson movie, but I never realized how telltale all of his things are until you see them distilled to their purest form in an honest trailer. It is painful, actually, how cliche they become. Uh, it is a great watch, especially when it starts going into the starring roles and you realize how many Wes Anderson tropes there are in film and how the man himself has become his own genre. And I don't mean that in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's not Michael Bay kind of uh, trope, but it's it's close too. So uh, go ahead and check it out. Uh, my favorite um, comes from the Floppatron. I think I've shared a video from the Floppatron before. Isn't there a medication for that? <laughs> yeah, but it, uh, yeah, we won't talk about that. Though. <laughs> and, it gets and now better. Like it does get better, but. Uh, it's this guy who he built um, a music generator with from a whole bunch of three and a half inch uh, floppy drive floppy drives and a scanner bed and um, I think a couple scanner beds and a few other things that, that make noise uh, hard drives um, and in this video he's recreated the song "Take on Me" by Aha uh, so it's pretty awesome one of my favorite songs with a whole bunch of old computer gear so check it out very cool and my favorite this week i love disney i love disneyland i love all things disney uh our buddy chris provost who does a lot of work with uh salt lake comic-con excuse me salt lake comic convention uh fan <laughs> experience and he's actually also been on the generic geek podcast he's launched a new youtube channel that you guys should check out and he posts new videos every week on Wednesdays uh, where he gives you the secrets and some of the behind-the-scenes stories of some of the places in Disneyland within the park itself. Uh, some stuff, some of it I know, some of it I didn't. Uh, but it's still fascinating, and it's Chris Provost, so you know it's going to be entertaining. So go ahead and, and check it out and subscribe to it. And, and um, yeah, show him some support. Excellent. Uh, my senior year of high school, actually, I took an orchestra tour to Disneyland, and we got to see all the back alleys while they shuffled our orchestra around in the park, and it's like a whole new world over there. And I just realized that that's a, an Aladdin pun. Yes, it is, it is a whole new world. New it's, adventures and whatever. Especially when you get under the sea. I yeah. Mean, wow. What's really funny is when you just pop up and suddenly you're there where the people are. It, that's that's the best. Yeah. That's the best. You always have to be prepared, though. All right. That is our show this week. <laughs> um, again, feedback at StolenDroids.com. We'd love to hear one last hurrah from you, 801-917-GEEK. Follow us, uh, well, maybe not on Facebook anymore. Instagram <laughs> seems to be okay. Twitter's definitely okay. We'll talk to you later. Cheers. End of line. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.